can everybody hear me? Cool, cool. Okay, so this is episode seven, I think, of the Haunted Hackers podcast. Um, we have a lot of like big news for this week. Um, so we've gotten a lot of donations from the people who uh, have listened since day one. Uh, we bought new equipment, lighting, uh, microphones. I mean, just tons of tech that I don't have enough USB ports for. So I had to end up ordering another USB hub. Uh, <clears throat> so as far as like professional wise, um, so I may be uh, brought on by a major corporation for being a media influencer for their videos and products. Um, I have a meeting with them, I think tomorrow or Monday. Um, I'm going to be on Technology TV, Anarchist Diaries on Monday, I think. Uh, that's when we're doing the recording. Um, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, and so like in the news, we talked about this week on LinkedIn, uh, the Russian attack um, on SolarWinds. And the funny thing is, is that when it first came out, people were trying to give like advice on how to clean it up, how to stop it. Uh, you know, like what else is going to happen? It's over, you know, let's just clean up and move on. But one thing I pointed out was that that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, I think we're going to see like a lot of critical infrastructure, water, oil and gas, the electric grid. Um, it's going to be, there's going to be multiple phases of this attack. And if I know APT 29 and 28, they've been doing this for a number of years. Uh, and I may or may not have been associated with some of the planning. I don't know. Um, it's hard to tell because I've done so much in, in the past four years. So this is a birthday edition. Um, so like I turned 47, it's like really weird for me because, you know, like I look back at like everything I've done over the past 40 years. And it's just, it's crazy, man. Totally crazy. Um, but this year has been like fantastic. So without further ado, I've got a good friend that um, we met in London and he's here to talk about his story. And so if you guys can give him your attention and I'm gonna ask Tony to unmute. What's up, buddy? You right, Mike? How you doing, Mike? You right? Happy birthday. Awesome. How yeah. are you doing? I'm good, thanks, mate. Not too bad. Um, it's been busy, a lot of stuff going on. Um, I think it's busy for the industry at the minute. Um, just like you said, everyone's testing right as well. So all the big boys are calling us all in to test, 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 test. You know, the work's gone through the roof at the minute. Um, so, and we're still breaking every day, which is crazy. Um, you guys so, are in yeah. lockdown, right? You go into lockdown at, at 10 o'clock tonight? Yeah, so we go back into tier four. So um, we've been in continuous lockdown, but they've got the tiered system here. So tier three kind of gyms, retail shops are allowed to stay open uh, at 12 o'clock tonight. Goes into tier four, which gym shut and uh, all the retailers shut as well. So anyone who hasn't done any Christmas shopping is stuffed. <laughs> um, they left it right till the last moment. So, Amazon. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty mad. So dude, you, you've had like a long career in security mm. um, and pretty well known on the other side of the pond. Um, mm. And I've started to like 
you know, talk to people here about, you know, your background and, and, and what you've been through and what you're doing now, which is like really exciting. You had a book drop. What was it this week? Yeah. So um, last week, actually, uh, the seventh. So actually come out on the 17th. So, yeah, it was official release date. I mean, they dropped it. So the way they do it, it's really clever. So you have like Waterstones, WH Smith's here, Foils, kind of the big bookstores here. Um, and they, so Amazon obviously get the first grab on it, sell it to loads of people online. And then of course they hold it back and don't give it to Amazon and let all the other bookstores have it. So, uh, all the people that ordered on Amazon didn't get it till today, but it's been turning up today. So yeah, it's a, it's a biography, uh, about my life. Well, so. why don't we go over that? Why don't we start with your beginning and what you, what brought you to where you're at right now? Yeah, so, I mean, so I was born in a place called Greenwich in southeast London. Um, it's kind of like a really different type of area. It's like one part of it is really affluent. The other part is really poor. I was born in the poor part and I often say that, unfortunately, for lots of financial institutions around the world, I was born in the poor part because um, I would go on to commit multiple frauds against those guys you know working out long before the internet came along and there was internet fraud right there was physical frauds cash everyone wanted cash out of banks you had kind of casinos and if you're like as a kid i was really inquisitive so i would learn like different ways to manipulate people you know now it's social engineering now so i kind of i had a whole career um I started at seven years old. My uncle lowered me into a pub to uh, just go and open the front door to let all the bigger boys in so they could rob the pub, right? So these things as a child happening, they kind of shape who you then become in later life. And I would, you know, I then went done sponsorship forms and figured out ways to beat the local telephone boxes. Uh, and then when I was 16, I figured out credit card fraud. Back then, it was all track two information. So really simple, little small grabbers, get people working in restaurants, grab the numbers, put the numbers on uh, Argos Premier Points cards they were then, yeah, so just blank cards. Uh, and then just get people that I worked in stores to say, give us a bit of cash back. Do you want to do a bit of cash back? And I would go around everywhere doing that. And that grew massively. I then met guys that could get me blank real cards out of Citibank out the back door. I learned how to punch up the cards with the silver foil. And and you just then start to get a trade in making documents because you want to, everything then becomes about documents. You know, finance is starting to, to kick in the boom of the credit boom that the whole world needs. You've got the likes of GE Capital and Lloyd's, of London creating this financial boom and I'm seeing all that, you know, I'm looking at that and thinking, wow, that's like a, a, a massive elevation into debt and how you could obtain goods. Right. So I earned a lot of money in my criminal career, just getting TVs, just getting like kitchens, just getting normal stuff for normal people on an everyday basis. But I was that guy, right. You rung my phone tomorrow, I'm, I'm better than Amazon, mate. I'm coming with the whole thing delivered and it's half price. There it is, yeah? And I, and that brand, that sold. People started to, to, to get that, you know? So, you know, you talk about like credit carding and I got into a little bit of that back when I was with Anonymous and you could buy, you know, a credit card 
uh, track reader, a mag stripe reader and writer for like a hundred bucks on eBay and then a stack of blank cards with magnetic stripes for like a hundred bucks for, you know, 200 cards. Um, I paid three and a half grand for my first one. Yeah. Yeah. And then so, it, so that's how the, yeah. Just print the cards and go to town. Um, but then we there moved to online, um, I guess, cashing in the money. Uh, I think they call it muling, buying products and reselling the products to reimburse the cash from the cards. Um, yeah. But your tune was, was upwards of what, $30 million total? Yeah, because what I figured out, I mean, so I, I've never actually put a figure on it. But when you start to total up, you know, so I would go in store. So, so some of the stuff that you guys done online, I'm doing that before online exists, right? So you could go into the store and you could get like, um, they had department stores here and you could get the forms that you fill out for the finance it used to be left lying all around the store. And anyone, somebody worked on the beauty counter could open up a finance agreement and they have no idea of the ID that they're going to look at, right? Exactly. So our ID could be useless, yeah. <laughs> but the, the 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 information was spot on, and that that's what got them. It was that you know we I figured out uh, the credit rating system. I knew that if I got seven fifties, yeah, as long as I stayed in that sweet spot of a seven fifty credit rating, I would always achieve the figures that I wanted. And it just it's just consistency, and you just get more and more and more of it, and that's that's all we done. So did you ever venture off into like identification, like licenses, driver's license or passports or, or anything like that? Yeah. 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 So I can make passports, driving licenses, all of that stuff. I, I, I mean, what I figured out that was probably the most lucrative thing was mortgage fraud. So, yeah. it, so with mortgage fraud, right, you've got different versions of it. So you have a version of where you go and get a mortgage in and you lie about how much you earn. Yeah. And the HMRC or the IRS can then have an investigation and figure out that you committed mortgage fraud. Uh, you shouldn't be doing that. That's one type, right? Yep. Th then you have the other type, what I've done, which was, I, I understood what an indemnity was for a solicitor. Right. And I understood that if I get a solicitor who wants to run away but also wants to earn a lot of money yeah i can raise mortgage offers against any properties um wherever i want and then with my dodgy solicitor i can draw down all of those funds and of course he goes to wherever he's going or she goes to wherever she's going and we split the profits um and so I, I, very quickly, I was able to get somebody who worked in a mortgage company whose job it was to pick up mortgage offers from the fax machine that they came into every day. Um, and so every day you could get me four or five mortgage offers. By the time you've got through the end of the week, you've got nearly 30 mortgage offers, all of around 350, 400,000 pounds. You're drawing down 10 million quid with one lawyer. Yeah, splitting the money and then away they go. And, and those funds build up very quickly, you know, and uh, that's, that was my speciality. That's what I got really good at. Yeah, so, so that was one of the attacks that we carried out during Occupy Wall Street with Anonymous was I disclosed a ton of fraudulent mortgages within the bank that the bank was actually making, um, yeah. giving people loans that they probably shouldn't have. And then they were balloon loans, right? So they went a number of years and all of a sudden, boom, they have this huge payment and it put the people out on the street. Uh, and that's what became Occupy Wall Street. 
So we leaked a lot of that data. Um, so tell me, like, as far as, you know, going through the mortgages and the credit carding and, and the fraud, at what point did you think or feel that somebody was tailing you or, or, or starting an investigation? I didn't. I, did, I, I mean, we were so under the radar, you know, we were slick, right? It's a slick movement. No one doesn't know about us. We don't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we we'd gone to uh sheffield yeah which is the north of england and there's a big shopping center there called meadow hall and i was getting plasma screen tvs yeah and they just kind of they were like still three and a half grand those tvs um so they were still quite new out and one woman noticed that there had been like 10 cockneys go up and all get this same tv um it didn't pick me out because I was using a Scottish accent. So they totally didn't pick me out. And uh, I went to the, uh, I, my mate called me and said, can I come and help him carry the TV back to the van? And uh, as soon as I put my hands on the TV, police just come out of everywhere because the girl had noticed it, alerted the police. And of course, they'd watched him struggle with this TV getting out of this shop. And uh, that was it. It was kind of um, that part of it was all over for me. But then I, I jumped bow then and went on, you know, I was a fugitive for six years. Um, I spent, yeah, six years of my life on the run. And that, that really changed me as a person. Like, you know, I was always quite fiery, quite aggressive. I still have a bit of that, but nowhere near like what I used to have. Cause you know, you're in a car and you're driving along and police come behind you when you're in that car like you just instantly at any moment you can be taken away and you know I'm a father I'm a husband I've got like at that time I've got four kids and my wife they don't know anything about being on the run they don't they honestly don't know any of that so at any point I can be taken away from them and I suppose that you know that changes who you become but it also I, I got involved massively in organized crime just one of the guys that was working for me, he had a drug debt. The drug debt spiraled out of control. He'd end up taking a whole box of cocaine off of a notorious drug dealer in South London, turning it all into crack and back the lot, right? So now he's got 24 hours to give this guy the money back, otherwise they're going to burn his mum and dad's ass out. And I just went along to a meeting with him to try and sort it out and ended up, putting myself in the same problem that he was in mm-hmm. um, with these, but I'll, I'll back like in 24 hours, I, I put together a couple of moves that we went and done with him mm-hmm. and the organized crime gang like that, you know, they kind of was like, wow, like, like, cause they hadn't seen it done that quickly before up until that point. Like they'd only, they'd had a lot of people talking, but right. uh, like I've just come and just delivered exactly what I said I would do. And that was unusual. And so uh, they liked that. And then I started, you know, I worked with those guys for you know, another five years after that. So, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, you talk about um, being on the, on the run, like, you know, trying to live under the radar and it does change a person. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do the normal things that, that, everyday people can do. Um, you know, for, for two years, I was like stranded in London with no ID, uh, not a citizen. Um, it's hard, you know, it's really hard to get by, uh, and you have to learn a different way of life. Um, and when I was with anonymous for 13 years, I had an investigation going on the FBI and I knew it and they made it pretty obvious. Um, 
and just knowing that's behind you, like they're lurking in the background is a difficult situation because it puts you at like a high alert kind of status. But at the same time, if you have a family, you don't want to involve them. Um, you tell them as little as possible and, and you try to reassure them that everything's going to be okay. Um, but for me, I, I knew it wasn't going to be okay. I knew eventually that it was going to catch up to me. Um, but just being on the run is, is I don't think a lot of people understand what it's like to be on the run, like truly on the run. Mm. So yeah, you know, it's, um, it's definitely very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it definitely changes the way you look yeah, at people in general too, um, because the people you deal with, uh, organized crime, um, gangsters, drug dealers, whoever, um, it's a different mentality. And it's very, uh, I want to say like primal almost, uh, you know, it's, you have to survive and you have to do what it takes to get by. And that's how I felt with anonymous and some of the stuff that I did was that it was a, it was a means to an end. Um, and that was the only way to do it. So, you know, as far as like what you did, how did you get through like the hard part? how did you get through, you know, knowing that eventually things were going to come to an end and you'd have to, you know, either attest to what, what happened or you'd have to find another way of life. I suppose it just, it gets to you so much. Yeah. Cause you think about it every day you wake up, could be your last day that you're going to be free right? right um so you you think about it every single day but a week two weeks a month two months a year two years now you're into five years and and you're just living you're just existing you're not you're not even thinking about any of getting caught anymore all of those thoughts have gone you're just worried about existence yeah like you know I, I need to survive i've got a family that i have to provide for i've always provided for my family i've always provided for myself from a young age and i think that my childhood probably you know i was bullied at a young age my mum was an alcoholic when i was you know a kid mm. and she gave me up at two days old to my grandmother. So my grandparents brought me up and I think that that stuff just gives you the right amount of tools that you need to survive through those harsh times. Like, and it sets you up. So my heart rate is different to most people's because my DNA has been changed from a young age to understand, to, to accept trauma. Right. So I have sexual abuse as a kid. I see my mum getting beat up by the husband that she's with. Like when you're around domestic violence and you see all this stuff, like the fear factors that you might have if you're not around that stuff get suppressed. Yeah. And that's what creates criminals. That's that, you know, they actually know that that part of it is what creates criminals. And we're just starting to learn to understand all this stuff now, you know, of how it all works. Exactly. Like, so I, I talk in some of my, uh, my first speaking to her, I talked about the psychology of a hacker. Um, and there's always something that drives each one of us. It's not, it's not something that is just instilled or taught. It's, it's a, it's a genetic thing. It's a psychology thing. Um, you know, we, we react to different environments differently. Uh, growing up as a kid, I had cousins who, you know, this adopted uncle I had um, owned a trucking company and they got busted for trafficking. 
and organized crime and racketeering. So I, I totally understand like the family part of it. You know, family has a lot to do and the environment has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, and seeing that stuff go on, it's almost like desensitizing, you know, it's like that's normal and that's accepted. Um, and it's a way to survive. Uh, but, you know, even coming back to the States, I'm still on that, I guess, on the run type feel, uh, you know, mm. trying to battle with, you know, you know, the U.S. government. They actually sent um, a letter from the IRS telling, telling me that I owed them $65 for last year. I didn't even live in this country last year. <laughs> you know, it's like, what, what do you, what do you respond to that? I can't, I can't get like legitimate <laughs> citizen rights. You know, I, you won't even allow me to be a citizen, but you want my money, you know? So I, I have my own crafted response for the IRS. Uh, and when I get that letter, I'm going to send it to them. It won't be very nice. Um, so tell me what you're doing now, because I, I, I've, I've heard a little bit of it. You and I have talked about some of it um, really exciting, cool stuff. So mm. one of the things I, I try to tell the listeners and, and people getting into the industry is no matter your background, no matter what you've been through, you can always turn around, you know, it's it just take those skills you've learned and put it to good use. Right. So with your background and, and the things you've gone through and, and the dealings with law enforcement you've had, you've turned that around. So tell us where you're at right now. So I am head of, well, so I have two different roles, two different jobs. So I, I actually started two different companies um, because what we do is quite unique, right? So company one is We Fight Fraud. So that is a fraud and financial crime prevention business, yeah? Um, we understand crime through a 360 view, right like we understand a business for a 360 view so so what we can do is we can take a business and look at it for a criminal mindset so for instance if we break in so we'll pen test a bank right but we're looking to exploit the bank in different ways so if i'm a criminal network i'm gonna need money to be moved abroad and look laundered and nice and clean i can also increase my revenues by doing that increasing revenues that come through to the organized crime group right um and these things are are easy to do when you know how to do them like how we know how to do that stuff right so i will show a bank look so my business partner solomon he he's you know he's a very gifted talented asperger's hacker i told you we've had the conversations before mike yeah and and yeah. I've learned over the years that there's different types of this hacking thing as well. Yeah. So like, I'm not a hacker, right. But I can get into any building on the planet. No building can stop me. It doesn't matter. And I don't have to use social engineering. I can break into it in a way that a burglar would break into a building. So I've got a very, but I understand the data and I understand the processes of the data. Right. And I understand if I had a hacker, what could I do? Like, Oh look, oh, what what's a Proxmark, Sol? Oh yeah, what we can clone the RFID. Oh wicked! Look, let's put that on there. Look, and the way we deploy that is so different to how a normal pen test team will deploy it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we get what we want. Like, and now we've got passes to the building to walk about and do whatever it is we want to do. Um, and it's having that criminal mindset. So our, we teach companies how to stay safe, and then from those tests 
my other company is a TV production company. So we make mainstream TV. We make stuff for most of the channels. We make stuff, you know, I, I, I myself have been responsible for lots of the crime access that we see on UK TV mm-hmm. um, all the time. So I've, I've done it with Gordon Ramsay and all of these guys that front these shows. I've given them a lot of the access to the dark worlds that you then see on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that then allows us to make really sexy training in a way that no one else can, because we incorporate the test of what we've just done, show you of the criminal world, how that would happen and then bring that all together. And, and that's really unique, you know, and we always get for our trainings, people always give us like nine out of 10 feedback always and say that it's the most yeah. engaging uh, training they've ever seen. Cause it's just giving them a story, um, of something that too and that's just like what we try to do mate so and that's what i do every day and that, and that's awesome i was just actually uh speaking to a tv company not too long ago um they're going to do a documentary on my life starting in january and sort of the same situation you know like tell us where you started and then bring bring us through your life and what you're doing now and what i did in the uk for the past two years was try to help you know, the London Met Police and, and different companies realize where their real vulnerabilities were at. Um, I don't think a lot of corporations really understand their pain points. They know their operations, but they don't know where they're the weakest part. Um, so, yeah, you know, I see a lot of that. And I'm, I'm also starting to see a lot of companies look to people like us that have been on the other side to actually come in and help them. Of course, they don't want to make us like full-time employees because that's a risk, but they do want that knowledge to come in and say, hey, look, you know, if, if I was to assess your company and I was to target your company, this is where I would go. And I think it's really cool that you're taking it like a red team approach, you know, not just the... Well, I'm stuff. taking it as a criminal approach, yeah? Because yeah. like, look, yeah, and I say this all the time. Mm-hmm. So we've actually been talking about Crest accreditations, right? Um, oh. And I said... <laughs> I'm like, we ain't doing it. The company's not doing it. Forget it. We're not doing it. Yeah. I don't care yeah. what you not say. You can be on the board. You can have all these, whatever you want. We're not mm-hmm. doing it. I said, tell me one criminal that's got an accreditation. Please. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, like there isn't any. So I'm confused about what you're actually thinking here. Yeah. We don't need accreditations to exactly. do what we do. We're so, good so at I, Either we're good or we're not. So my partner and I started a company called Cryptaeasec over in London. And we had tons of people just from, you know, hearing me talk and, and going from different you know cities to city uh, speaking. And they wanted us to come in and do pen tests. And the first question was, do you have Crest accreditation? And I said, first of all, I'm not a citizen. Second of all, I'm not your blue, you know, your white collar walk in and wear a suit type guy. If you want, if you want that type of accreditation, you, all you're wanting is to pay for somebody to say, you're safe. I'm not going to tell you that. I'm going to give you the real beef on what's going on in your company. And it's up to you to do with it what you want. But I'm going to come at it as a, as a criminal, as a hacker, and tell you what's going to happen to you. And I don't think a lot of people want to, want to see that. So I talked about that on the last podcast. A lot of companies, they'll look at like a report, like an a assessment report, and they want to fight the results because nobody wants to say that their baby's ugly. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of ugly babies all over the world. Um, 
And it's hard, you know, because you have to take the approach to where you want to finesse them and, and you want to make them feel good. But in the same token, you want to give them a dose of reality as to what's going to happen if they don't change. Yeah. And and it's just waking people up. You know, I mean, I hear it a lot. You know, we've got the best security service. We've got the best guarding systems. We've got the best firewalls. We've got the best this, the best that, the best this. And then when you literally break them in 10 minutes, yeah, there's no argument for that. Your okay. best wasn't good enough then, was it? Yeah, because we, we broke you that quickly. Mm. And then, they, like you say, they want to argue about it. I mean, I think my first experience of ever, I was I had to give them a, a, a briefing to the Exco and they just swept it under the carpet, like literally lifted the carpet up and just swept the whole thing under the carpet. And I, I, I just, I, I knew it was happening. And I said, it was happening. The person that had got me in to do the job, I just said, don't ever ask me to come back. Yeah. yeah because you're never, ever going to learn. Like and one day you're going to get caught yep. and you're going to get stung. And I don't want to be associated with that. <laughs> like, cause you <laughs> didn't listen. Like, if you listen, you'll get, you know, anyone can, look, I can get caught. Anyone can get caught. Anyone who thinks they can't, yeah? Absolutely. You're mad. Yeah. I can get caught. And we need to change this culture as well of where it's bad if you've been hacked, right? Right, right. This is it's not helping. We've got to change it. We have to. Right. It's, it's not bad. It's, it's, it's inevitable, right? So exactly. take, take, take the events of this week, right? FireEye, one of the biggest security companies, one of the most trusted security companies, threat intelligence. They hold the keys to a lot of kingdoms. And they got yeah. destroyed by solar winds. But here's, here's the biggest point is it wasn't just them. They were the first ones to admit, Hey, we got hosed and we'll mm. be honest with you. You know, it, it, we got breached and we're sorry, but come to find out. And what I predicted, it's the whole entire government. It's not just FireEye. It's everybody who uses solar winds. And I was talking on a post the other day and I was like, you know, this is just the beginning, you know, there's more to this Mm -hmm. and it's going to be mind shattering when people find out how long this has been going on. And I don't think it's just the U S I think it's going to be five eyes. I think it's going to be London. I think it's everyone. Listen, listen, we all, we all know. Yeah. This is what they've been planning for ages and this is what's been coming. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and the fact that they've done it with the physical bit as well, you still didn't bloody learn. Like, How many times have we got to tell you, yeah, that it's not just the digital part that you have to worry about. It's the human Everything. bit that we're going to come and take, yeah? And, and, and it's always going to be, we're all human, right? We all sleep, drink, eat, we go toilet when we need to, shower, bath, whatever it is you're going to do. Mm. At some point, we're going to be vulnerable throughout the day. And that's like, whether you're clicking on a link. Lost audio, buddy. Either you... It's going off again. Yeah, back. There um, you go. You're good. So, um, you're either gonna, you know, you're either gonna get. Oh, I've lost my train of thought now. Sorry, sorry, Mark. <laughs> so, so w- one thing that that we're gonna do later on during the podcast, you know, you talk about the digital, you talk about the physical, um, you talk about the hacker mindset. One of the things I'm gonna go over later on and actually demonstrate is taking USB into somebody's computer that's logged in and having their credentials and the hashes, NTLM hash and the passwords shuttled off to an external web server for somebody to take and and do whatever they want to with it. Um, So there's a level of physical, there's a level of digital all combined. And that's kind of what the the attack methods I use 
are not just the traditional red teaming or social engineering. It's, it's all of it. Right. So lock picking, um, RF jamming, all the above. Yeah. Yeah. And look, iOS zero clicks, mate. Let's go there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like let's go there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do, are we like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Like this stuff is real in existence and can really be done. Yeah. It can really happen. And like, there's, it's just mad. It's just mad. I just find it crazy how much of this stuff. Yeah. And, and it's funny because you like a lot of people love that, that TV series, Mr. Robot. And I know one of the yeah. guys who worked as a tech consultant on that show. And when I was watching the show, I had, I, I, I kind of looked at it like, you know, kind of reserved, like, is this going to be some bullshit, you know, like oh, traditional scary hacker type deal. But then when I watched the, the first series, I was like, wow, you know, these are legit attacks I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and they're proven, you know, it's like yeah. technical shit. And so yeah, yeah. I started looking at that and I started looking at the attacks I was using and I sharpened up some of them. So the attack that I'm going to show later on, actually, um, Hack5 uh, came out with this. They, they reproduced the Mr. Robot credential theft. Um, but they did a really poor job at it because when you actually run the attack, you see the command window pop up and then the command window gets resized and all this other bullshit. Well, I found a way to make it all disappear. So mm-hmm. literally within seconds, I have everything I need from that system. Um, last week I did one where I got remote PowerShell, um, with no notification to the user other than a really quick run. And that was it. Um, no windows. Uh, but I think the, the biggest vulnerability that a lot of companies have doesn't only come from outside and criminal groups, but also from within inside. Mm. Um, I can't count how many companies have given me the keys of the kingdom when I was with anonymous and I just dumped their information and they have no clue. Um, and that, that continues to happen. And with you guys going into lockdown tonight, you know, I, I've talked about this with the London Met police and I said, you know, all these organized criminal groups and, and all these crime groups on the streets that rely on physical theft that rely on, on shit that happens on the street, they can't go to those means anymore because those stores are closed. So what happens, that activity gets shuttled off to the internet and they hire people like me, people like, you know, kids on these gaming, gaming sites to actually carry out their dirty. I've been saying it, I've been saying it on stage, Mike, for years. Yeah. Yeah. Like when, when, when I get hold of a hacker, right, there's problems. Yeah, because my mind's criminally mindset, right? From a young child, yeah? Of all the trauma and all of this stuff, fights, guns, all of it, yeah? Mm -hmm. I've been through all of it, right? If I meet a hacker that I say, come on, look, look, come do this, look. Yeah, I know if I know for a fact if me and Solomon were to if if we was to go criminal, yeah, it's over. That we could get away with billions and no one could ever catch us. Like no, nothing they could anyone could do about it we actually talked about when i was in london we talked about the team right so solomon you, yeah the rest of the yeah team, exactly <laughs> yeah. Up. Dude, it yeah. would be like the marvel heroes you know so <laughs> i'm still open to that you know if you guys want to do like a, a yeah good an engagement yeah, together you're you know, right there as well so it's great. I'm, I'm with you i'm with you um I have a yeah, lot of great. stuff co- coming up uh, in January. You know, the, the uh, documentary is going to be produced. Um, Naveen, I don't know if you know Naveen. Um, he does a cyber paradox tree uh, series. Um, Kaspersky is actually funding the, the documentary. 
but I'm doing that. Oh yeah. You're saying about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing that. I'm doing this podcast. This podcast has been insane, bro. Like literally we started off with the first episode and it blew up. Um, and yeah, we've had good. a lot of cool people on, but I have to say like, you're probably one of the most interesting people I've had on last week was Greg, um, Greg Vandergast, a good friend of mine. Um, and he has a similar background, but more of a corporate corporate later history. Um, Mm. But I was really intrigued when you were talking to me about Solomon and, and how much we had in common and the ideas that, that you guys had as far as, you know, where you're going from here. And I think you guys have a, like a really bright future um, as far as like bringing reality to the industry and showing people the truth. Yeah, well, thanks. I mean, it's taken long enough, mate. We have to keep banging our heads against the wall all the time, especially like they keep inventing roles for people that work in companies, right? Like, and you have to keep now te- teaching these people of what it's really about and that. Like, we'll keep doing that forever. So, yeah, for sure. Any, uh, anything I can do to help you guys, goes. anything I can do to help you guys, just let me know. I'm going to open it up for questions for you. Um, so, if you guys want to unmute uh, and you know, ask Tony, whatever you want to ask, if you want to do it in chat uh, or through video, go ahead. Um, and I'll just, I'll kind of moderate the conversation. And then after that, we'll go into the actual technical uh, exploitation. Questions, don't be shy. A bunch. What are you drinking over there, Tony? Uh, I've actually got a bottle of uh, Apple Jack. Can you see that? Yeah, yeah. Nice, brother. Nice, nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, it's been a long week. <laughs> yeah, for real. So Ryan, Ryan's one of our co-hosts and kind of like part of my inner squad. He says, uh, hey, Tony, does your past affect your expansion into other regions? Yes. So, um, but hopefully not the companies. At the moment, um so I've applied to get into the U.S. twice. I've been refused on both occasions. <laughs> I've been so refused I've, back I've, twice. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, I know. You beat me. You upstaged me. I know. <laughs> In your own country. Wow. Um, crazy. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely want to get out there. I'm hoping Alien of Extraordinary Ability, yeah, will get me there eventually. Uh, I signed an exclusivity contract with BBC Studios USA to make my life story into a box set about 18 months ago and that's with a la production company part of them happening now that they've got two really successful writers writing it so i should on the 15th of january hopefully find get the first episode and see what that's all like um so i'm hoping that when that all kicks into play and they start filming that i will definitely be able to get over it because it will, if I'm not involved in the edit somewhere, yeah, because I work in TV now as well, I will be absolutely pulling my teeth out, yeah? There's no way I can be an executive producer of my own show and not even get a look in at, say, a, of any of the edits. So, uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting time, so fingers crossed. Uh, so, quick question about that. So, they were talking to me about the um, documentary they're going to sell to Netflix and Amazon, and they want to put me as executive producer just for the sale to yeah. netflix and amazon what what is behind that because i don't understand that i'm, I'm new to so in the states it, i mean all it is is just like a 
a TV thing, yeah? So mm. if, if commissioners see who's the exec on that program, they know it's in a safe pair of hands, right? Okay. So just like a red team leader, he's the safe pair of hands. The companies know him. Oh, yeah, he's going to keep that nice and safe going through. And that's just all that cool. is. Yeah, they kind of freaked me out. They were like, yeah, you're going to be yeah. executive producer in the credits. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I know nothing about being In the States, you guys in the States, yeah, you tend to put people down as executives when they contribute to the show or just to bring in a big name to get funding for the show. So you're a big name for that world so they know that they can get funding from the show by doing that gotcha. as well. Cool. So, yeah. So what, what was it like building your own... Uh building your own TV type presence. Like I was kind of thrown into it. I, I wasn't given like, you know, Hey, let's, you know, start a TV production. I was kind of given the, we're going to start filming in a month. Well, that, that happened to me too. Right. So I filmed with vice. Um, uh, we made how to get away with stealing that today. I think it's got like nearly 12 million views. Um, so I, DPR, it's actually DPR's last shared video. Nice. Um, and then you got arrested for Silk Road uh, after sharing my video, um, which was mad. I didn't even know about it. Yeah? I just had a load of these guys commenting on the, the thing saying, did you know this is DPR's last shared video? And I was like, who's DPR? Like, oh, hold on. Like, oh, wow. Like, um, nice. so, so that was kind of like a really quick introduction, but the guy that produced that documentary and the guy that directed it have both gone on to do really major stuff everywhere. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's really funny because I saw them at the book launch last week and that's the first time that we've all kind of spent time together for a long, long time. Um, and that I just had a fascination with it, you know, and I started doing access for vice. So vice done a load of shows then, and obviously get bought out by HBO. I was a massive part of bringing content to them. And mm. I saw that, hold on a minute, like, I'm giving them shows that are getting 30 million views. I'm like, wow, hold on. Like, huh? I must be able to get in a bit better in than where I'm at. And then I met my business partner, Adam, mm. who had been, so Adam had spent eight years in Hollywood. Yeah, he was the first person to take the high eight tapes and turn them into actual digital footage. So oh, no nice. one in Hollywood could do that. Yeah, Adam was the only person for eight years doing that out there. So he worked with a guy called uh, Milos Foreman, mm -hmm. who directed uh, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and Adam ended up editing a film that Jim Carrey was in. He did a couple of films that Jim Carrey was in, but he'd done a film called uh, The Man in the Moon, mm -hmm. which was the Andy Kaufman story, one of my favourite all-time films. Right. Uh, and then he edited that, and then I met Adam and was kind of like, wow, the universes have just paralleled. And so what he's able to do is get stuff out of me on camera that relates to normal people. Yeah, so most people from a normal world don't understand the tech stuff. They just don't. Yeah. Like it's too complicated for them. They get bamboozled by all the language code. What's code? Like, what is that? You know, like, and whoa. Um, so, so we set out with a mission to accomplish talking to the layman about these subjects, but in a way where I've still got the credibility from you guys, because you know, no, look what he's saying. He's dead right. Like, it's only like if we were to take that and do a digital attack, he's talking about the exact same thing. Like, right, right. so, and, and that kind of works really well. And that's kind of what we do, you know? Uh, yeah. So, so I love my, my confidant uh, in LA. So the guy that I, I stick pretty close to as far as like pre-filming and, and contracts and what I should expect um, is Ralph Eshmandia. He worked with Oliver Stone on the uh, Snowden film. 
and on Citizen Four. Uh, and I'll tell you, man, like the film world and you know the, the movies, like it's a different it's a different environment, man. And yeah. it, there's so many like nuances to contracts and, and ways to get screwed, really. Uh, there's more criminals in that bloody world than there is in the criminal world. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. If, you, if you don't know somebody or you don't have a good like entertainment lawyer, uh, things can get pretty complicated pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but luckily, like he's been really good. Uh, the producer, Naveen, um, is contacting a lot of people uh, for content uh, as far as my background goes, which is, and he's a good guy. Uh, if you don't know him or if you're not connected to him on, on LinkedIn, he's one of the guys you should have in your corner. Mm. Um, really good guy. I'll give you his information after the show. Um, yeah, great. But yeah, I mean, just like it, it, it's weird how I went from like a, a hacking background and getting in trouble to where I'm at now. And I'm sure you go through the same thing. Um, a friend of mine from Scotland, uh, Stu Hurst, talked about imposter syndrome right so uh, imposter definitely. syndrome is like where you know you're getting all these these accolades and, and, and people are putting you on a pedestal and you're you're thinking like what did i do like am i worried I had the same shit? thought I've, I've had it i've had it man i've had it with a book you know when the when people started reading the book and they're messaging me yeah some of the messages that you then get I, I was just like, wow, like, what are they going on about? I'm just telling like what happened to me. I'm yeah. not even that worried about that like, the booking that way. Like, I'm just going forward. I just want to keep going forward. Like, I've got my drive. Like, yeah. what are you going on about? You know, yeah. I get it. I totally get it. It's yeah, mad like, that you say that. Yeah. So, so it was funny. Like, I was sitting here today and I was going over like the donations for the podcast and I was going over like all the opportunities that have, that have come up, you know, the filming and, and being a, a social media influencer. And it's like, you know, I'm just having fun, man. Like I'm just being me and mm -hmm. I don't understand. Like, it's hard to like comprehend, like how I went from that to this. It's just, it's crazy to me. And I, sometimes I don't feel like it's like deserved whatever. Like, I feel like I should still be like in this prison orange, maybe somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, like the mm -hmm. imposter syndrome is real and, and it, it causes you to like, I guess, uh, inflect, on yourself and, and where you've been. Um, but I think the, the thing that helps me the most is like continuously putting out content and, you know, focusing on the future and like really like trying to give back because that's been my purpose the last three years was like really give back to the community, to what I took so much from. Um, and when I say took so much from, you know, I, I destroyed probably a lot of business relationships um, took down companies, uh, Sony, Amazon, NSA, FBI. But this is just my way of giving back. And I think that helps with that imposter syndrome. Um, but still, like, you know, I, I guess it was about a week ago. One of the guys here on the podcast had taken a huge poster of the haunted hacker and plastered it on the side of a building in a foreign country across the street from the police department. <laughs> I was shocked. I, I really was. I was like, wait a minute. This is unreal. Like I, this shouldn't be happening. I should be in jail right now. <laughs> so I, I know you go through the same thing. And, and I've talked to a lot of people about, you know, the imposter syndrome and how difficult it can be to like get past, like trying to understand, like, you know, I do deserve what's going on, even though my background doesn't reflect that. So, but I think the future is going to be a lot different. 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. I've seen there's a couple of questions there, actually. Uh, Go for it, bro. So I, I've actually done two prison sentences. Um, uh, Mike, I've done, I've served two prison sentences, one for possession of an imitation firearm with intent to harm. Mm. Um, and the other was for conspiracy to defraud. So I've been to prison twice, 27 months in total. Um, uh, as a as a younger man, you know, I would have said that prison was a part of my path. Uh, I definitely had some changes in prison after being on the run for six years on the last prison sentence. Like I said, my wife didn't know. So when I was eventually caught, I sneaked out of the cell that I was put in and into a room where there was a telephone and uh, called my wife and sat there crying my eyes out on the phone to my wife for an hour, confessing um, everything that had gone on before the policeman caught me and said, right, go back in there. And then so when eventually she came to visit me three months later, um, I was in prison up north and she was holding my, my son's hand when she walked in, he was crying and I could see him crying. I'm sitting there in my bib, my orange bib. I'm sitting there and thinking like, what's up? Like, and when she comes over, I said, what's up with him? She said, you're in prison. What do you think's up with him? And I was just like, oh, wow. All this trauma that I've got, I've been selfish and I'm just kind of trying to push that onto them. And so it's at that point that, you know, I go back to the wing and I want to change. You know, I've had enough and it's time to time to sort my life out um and, and that's exactly what i've done so so do you oh, find like you going through all the stuff that you went through do you find yourself being changed to the point where you don't like to open up and and give everybody a hundred percent of who you are and, no i made a choice i made a choice i decided that i would be honest with everyone mm-hmm. yeah and and by doing that i'm being honest with myself like when you've lived a life for so long, my whole life, yeah? Like, I actually done an interview with a big newspaper here the other day, and I said, like, I didn't ask to be sexually abused as a kid. I didn't ask to see my mum get beat to a pulp, yeah? Right. But as a kid, that made me want to be someone else, right? right? I committed identity theft. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to work out trauma led me to commit crime one billion percent right no ifs no buts not an excuse it's just what happened yeah i took it i'll take it on the chin forevermore for what i've done and i'm totally happy to do that right but we definitely have to start looking at crime in a different way yeah because that's just well even the smallest crimes even the smallest crimes can lead to like total trauma and and just so what I went through is nowhere near what you went through as far as the trauma goes, but growing up in an environment where, you know, even in the military being an intelligence, I, I was told to not say anything and to keep everything close. And, and, and oppression keep, is just as bad, mate. 100%, yeah. 100%, mate. You know, just teach me to keep my mouth shut and give stories that, you know, would protect me and protect the operation um, so it's really hard to let people in. Right. So, you know, having that type of background, living that life, going from intelligence and in military to starting anonymous, it's like, how much do I tell people, you know, how, how much do I let people in and how much do I trust people? But I think over the years, like I've had like really like, um, bad situations come up where, 
um, people were like, I, I didn't know your background. I, I, I didn't know that was you. I didn't know that you had done those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find myself like, and it's funny, I, I find myself giving them, you know, the quotes, go Google Mike Jones hacker and then come talk to me. <laughs> it saves me a lot <laughs> of time. That's exactly what I do. Exactly. It's the best. Google is the best thing in the world for doing that, right? Because just go and have a look. Yeah, I don't want to explain it all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's too much to explain, and there's so many different opinions. Yeah. But I want everybody to have the whole picture, not just my, ju- not just from Mike Jones. I want them to see from other points of view their, their observations and, and what they think of me um, to make their own yeah. their own decisions. Right? Do they want to be friends with me? Do I want to be close to me? Go look at this and come back yeah. to me. If, if you want to come back to me, that's fine. If not, I'm good. Um, yeah. But I, I deal with that. And then another thing I deal with that I'm not sure if, if you've gone through it yet or if you've been through it, um, it seems like there is like a, a greed, right? So I got involved with a group here locally um, and they started like attacking me, right? Like trying to like, you know, threaten me and, and, it's almost like, I guess Ryan called it a uh, tall poppy syndrome um, where you get to a level where you've accomplished X amount and people want that level, but they don't want to have to work to it. Yeah, so they exactly. try to take you down to their level. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, it, You're going to get them everywhere. They're haters. You're always going to get them. Like, yeah. You know, the thing is, this industry that we're in, right? So you've got a few of us, right? There's, there's the Kevin Mitnicks. Yeah, you've got Brett now oh. doing his thing. Yeah, Ke- uh, exactly. Kevin's just like, wow. Or like, oh, really? <laughs> like, what the hell's going on here? Like, come on. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, like, I like Brett. I love Brett. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, he's good stuff. Um, you, Solomon as well. There's some really, really, really good people coming through. But the industry still oppresses so many. Yeah. You know, it's taken me 10 years I've been doing this, yeah? yeah. And uh, in a conversation four years ago, my agent was talking to MasterCard and they said, well, what if Tony stole all our data? And he just said, well, do you think you could stop him if he wanted to? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's just that kind of arrogance from their part of, like, if you was lucky that we never targeted you. Yeah. If 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 because if we would have, there's no way you could have won. You would have already been hit and lost. And 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 that, I think, getting that message over, you know, I think in 2012 I said data is the new cash. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Like in Dublin, yeah. And, and and because it's understanding what data is, right? That that and even now we do it to the general public. So I've just started talking about this and saying that look, when they when a company says their data got hacked, what is that? Do you realize that they're talking about your user information, your, your data, your information, you're right. the data, mm. right? And, and that is a very different kind of, because now people go, oh, hold on, they're losing our stuff. <laughs> like, because they've got around it for so long just by saying we lost our data. No, you lost our data. Like, right. hold on a minute. That's right. very different, you know? And, um, and that, but I mean, it's all just, you know, fines. The, the ICO, all the stuff that you have that's coming here, I don't know how it is out in the States. I would have thought it's just as, just as bad, to be honest. Um, it's chaos, bro. Like, so I, yeah. I try to tell people during my talks that, you know, all the shit that you get for free, let, let's talk about TikTok, let's talk about Facebook, let's talk about <laughs> Google and Gmail. Yeah, it may be free, if it's but free, guess you're what? the product, yeah. You're the fucking yeah. product, you know, and exactly. it happens. Uh, Tom Ryan and I gave a talk at Westminster University about this, and, um, 
it was called inside the mind of a hacker. And, and we were talking about my story and, and Tom's story. And on stage, we were talking about how um, I made a point, how the people that signed up for these services were the product. And the next morning, the ads on my phone was fucking ridiculous. It was everything <laughs> I had said the night before. I was like, they're definitely, they listen 24 seven. But there's no change. Like, look, even with my book, right? So, Adam, mm. we ordered 250 copies of my own book to give, like, to people that, like, and competitions and stuff for the business, right? Mm. And um, the very next day, we got a credit card application come through <laughs> in the name that we put down because we know what they're going to do, right? So, we put a moody name down on the actual book order anyway, yeah? And a credit card uh, application come through in that name that's never been at that address. So... It's never changed. They've no. always done it. Yeah. Now it's just migrating online. And and you lot had it right when you was telling us idiots about cookies, right? Yeah. So yeah. when we're in the beginning, when you're telling us about cookies and saying, do not accept it, do not accept it, do not accept it. Mm. Fickies are going, oh, well, what's wrong with me having a bit of shopping that I want to buy? <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, it's nice to see them, but now, now your feed's overwhelmed with what they want you to buy. No, and it's just yeah. like, oh, doom and gloom, whatever it is they want to give. And one then one. you start, then you start getting emails and phone calls, you know, <laughs> based on your searching behaviors and analysis and behavior analysis, and it's just crazy. Um, you know, I just want to make a point too: is that I haven't received one of those books. Tony. Oh, no worries, man. Me your, uh, <laughs> I'm just best with you. I'll, I'll send it over to you. Definitely. I'll send it over. Um, I've got some out there this week to the uh, production people. So uh, let just send me over your address and I'll definitely pop one in the post. Here. Cool, bro. Um, so yeah, like th there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I know you guys are going into lockdown. Um, and one of the things that, that we talked about before, and I continuously try to push is the fact that it's Christmas season you know, there's, there's a lot of people buying things online, um, using credit cards, using, you know, PayPal, whatever. Um, just know that if you're giving your information to a vendor, those vendors are probably giving your information to somebody else. Um, Amazon, especially I've had, I've had a nightmare with Amazon over the past couple months. Uh, literally every order I've had has been fucked up. Um, so just be careful during the holidays, especially during lockdown of who you give your credit card number to and how you utilize your online, um, operations. Um, so any more questions for Tony? Um, I'm going to leave it open for a second. I'm going to go get a refill on my drink. And then when I get back, then we'll go into the technical situation and we'll talk about hacking people's credentials via USB and Kerberos tickets. Um, Tony, I'm gonna leave it up to you, Ryan, if you want to no moderate worries. and kind of like maintain the conversation, um, I'll be right back. Yeah. The Australia question is funny as well, Ryan. I mean, my granddad, um, actually lives in Australia that I've never met and I can't get there to meet him either. So, uh, hopefully, like I said, I'll be, uh, be able to get in as an alien of extraordinary Billy sooner or later. <laughs> So what's your opinion on this whole skill shortage? Do you reckon we're weaponizing an army of disgruntled unemployed? Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? So I'm not really... I'm not sure what's going on, to be honest. I'm like, this whole thing just seems mad. Um, and I don't think anyone would have thought we would be in these positions that we're in now, would we? Like, it's just mental. The more at home, I suppose, the more easy it all becomes. 
Does anyone got any questions? Yeah, just add my two cents. Um, I don't think your background really hinders you. You just got to find the right person that has the credentials already to back you. you Definitely. Find right people to say, okay, I know you've been to jail. I know you've done some bad things in your life. But you need, you got the skill set that I need to do the job. No, but, and that, that's exactly what I've done. That's exactly, that's the yeah. route I took. If you find somebody to take that leap with you, then, then you're good. Yeah, I mean, my, so my business partner here in the UK is actually the ex-head of fraud for the Metropolitan Police, uh, ex-head of yeah. terrorist financing. So, we, uh, you know, that as soon as I got that, it really changed everything because just like right. you said, everyone... There's somebody that's willing to say, hey, I'll take responsibility. If he does something wrong, it's on me. Yeah. I trust him. He's going to do the right thing. He's going to be right by me, and he's going to be right by your company. Because a lot of the companies we interview and when we do piss in our, our sheets, uh, discuss pen testing, they say, oh, I want you to come at me like a criminal. Well, you're not going to find some guy with ethical hacking and all that stuff coming at you like a criminal because they don't exactly. to come at you like a criminal. So you have to actually find somebody that thinks like a criminal. And there's only two types of people that think like a criminal, police and actual criminals. And even police is difficult for police. So Andy will tell you, my business partner will tell you, yeah, he, he spent nine years as an undercover officer and 30 years in the police force, yeah? And he said he could never get close to thinking how I think because he doesn't... I, what I realised is this, yeah, that low resting heart rate that I got given because of the trauma that I suffered as a child, right? The, 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 my mum getting beaten to a pulp that gives me a low resting heart rate which means that in situations of stress i'm going to relax and that relaxing into those stressful situations is really dangerous and powerful because it allows you to switch on that's when you're at your most dangerous right so that being able to do that is definitely an advantage in this world i, I try and make clients understand that all the time and it's also about opportunity you know, creating that right criminal opportunity and showing the customer what that criminal opportunity is, you know, and, and, and like you said, there's, there's a, a small few that can do that. Most right. That's why I, I do have a degree in cybersecurity, but I don't have the skills that Mike or yourself have. And I'm more the business type and I'll take care of the business end but uh, I need people like you and like Mike to be able to do the technical part. And I understand you guys don't want to do the business. Yet. Yeah. That, that bit's all boring for us. <laughs> yeah. You, you yeah. don't want to have to shake their hands. You just want me to get the job and say, this is where you need to go attack, go break them and come back and tell me about it. And let's write a report. And that's what you want to do. And it is a it's symbiotic type uh, uh, relationship that works out. And, that's the type of hackers I'm looking for. Those are the type of people I want to build a team around is people that they're, I don't want to say disenfranchised, but they have the skills I need to do a really good job. Yes. We're disenfranchised. Uh, well, I know, I know, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring some home, <laughs> bring, bring, get you out of the cold, build your nice warm fire. And, uh, uh, you know, have a place to put your feet up and call home and feel safe. And that's all I can do. So, so, so 
another question too, um, Mark, for you. Next week, I think I want to bring on a corporate entity. Um, so maybe you want to be the guest next week. You, you can talk to us about the business side of it. Um, because people like me and Tony, like we know business, like we know it inside and out, but we don't choose to like deal with that portion of it. We do it to a certain extent so that we can set up our engagements and, and make our money, but that's not where our passion's at. So yeah, I, we're always right. the person in the room, right? That everyone yeah. wants to talk to, most definitely. Yeah, like, right. but, but you have to understand that I don't want to close the sale. I want to pass that over and let the team do that and take care of that. And then, and then we can disconnect away from all the other stuff. Like, you know, mm-hmm. And that, 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 took, uh, that took me personally a long time to, to figure out. You know, As a fraudster, I am a salesman naturally. I've got to sell myself <laughs> constantly because I want everyone to believe what I'm saying. So uh, <laughs> that took me a little bit of time to figure out. But, hey, yeah. hey, Mike, have we just had a disclosure about mining your uh, relationship? Do they know our relationship? No, we, they don't. So I'll, I'm just going to put this out there. Um, I've, I put out on LinkedIn, I've signed, well, I'm signing with New Direction Cyber. Um, they're a German company. Uh, I'm going to be doing their pen testing, um, all kinds of like really cutting edge stuff for this company and help them build their team for pen testing uh, and really anything technical that comes my way. Um, Actually, I haven't hit him with his title yet. Actually, he's going to be the chief lead for offensive uh, security. And and we are planning to build a team completely around him. And he gets to pick who he wants to bring with him. Oh, that that, that, that makes a difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so, so. Well done, Mike. Huh? Go ahead. Well done, Mike. Yeah, so. I, I, I've worked for a couple companies foreign for the past, I guess, year, um, Russian, German, um, really all over the place, UK. I've been on the board for like three or four companies. I'm still on the board for, okay, I have to throw out this pitch because it's important for this company and they're not a pen testing company. They take all of the cybersecurity companies and put them into a database. The database is called Jenny. Um, when you query that database, Jenny will tell you who the best person is for the job you're looking for. And uh, the CEO is Tanesh. <laughs> it's a great, I, I know you know who they are, Tony, because they're out of London. Um, but I'm on their board. I'm their U.S. ambassador right now. Uh, great group of people. There's a couple other like international speakers that are on the board as well. Um, so keep an eye on Jenny. Um, great database. Uh, they're kind of like the Yelp for cybersecurity. Um, also, Kaspersky, I have to like give props to Kaspersky because I'm going to be their new media influencer, I guess. And they're doing my documentary in January. So props to Kaspersky for supporting our community. Um, and obviously, dude, like Tony, you and I have like crossed paths several times. We haven't spoke together on any stage yet, but I really think there's an opportunity there. Like I've spoken with a lot of people, you know, Greg Vandergas. I've been on the stage with Lisa Forte and, and other people in the UK. But I think at some point we need to do a virtual conference, maybe just you and I. Uh, yeah, definitely. About I'd love to get you on a We Fight Fraud live as well. So we do like a live conference, yeah, uh, um, 
So it'd be great to get you on. Um, so I, I think I told you before that I bought um, Hackney If You Can. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. bought the domain name. Yeah. So um, we're definitely going to do some serious hacking and pitch Solomon against everyone else. So yeah. um, we just kind of got to get it figured out. And, you know, everyone's always offering a good prize somewhere. Um, yeah. See, my, my price is pretty low when it comes to hacking. I, I do it for fun. Um, yeah. And a lot of the stuff I do now, like every week, I don't know if you know the history of the podcast, but every week I give, uh, I focus on one specific hack and I give a document telling people how to like execute the hack and I show them how to do it. This week is a little different because I didn't have all this equipment before. Like I had multiple cameras and lights and all kinds of crazy shit going on um, that we didn't have before donations. Um, so like I'm going to be doing a live hack and, and showing people how to collect credentials um, from computers that are not locked out, uh, which brings up another like really cool topic um, besides what you and I do um, in the corporate world. I can't count how many workstations I've seen where people get up and go to the bathroom or go take a break and leave their shit logged in. Um, and this exploit will, will really drive them crazy. Um, I'll get the credentials and take over machines. Oh, they've got passwords written by the side of the computer. I don't even need that. Man. I just plug in this USB for 15 seconds and I got NTLM hash and the password. So, um, and God forbid they're an admin because then I have domain credentials. Uh, but dude, it, it has been like a complete pleasure having you on the podcast. Like, yeah, it's been good. I, Thank you. When I reached out to you, I was like, kind of like concerned, like, you know, is he going to be too busy? You know, is this like below him? You know, I, I just wanted to like take a shot because I know that you and I had a personal relationship and I wanted to kind of further that and let you talk to the people here in the U.S. as well as globally. I mean, we had people on here from all over the world. Um, and this will be recorded and, and put on to my YouTube channel and, and advertised like to no end. Uh, but I really appreciate all the support that, that I get from anybody in the community, especially like my brother hackers and then social engineers. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, we're here. Thank you, Mike. And thanks for having me on. Thank you, everyone. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you can stay right. on if you want. Um, I'm going yeah. to start or, or try to start with all this extra technology to uh, do the exploit. And you're more than welcome to watch it. Um, I'm going to watch gonna... it. I'm going to switch my camera off and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch. Don't worry. Cool. I'm gonna... All right, man. nice and quiet. There you go. Drink your drink, brother. Um, okay, guys. So I'm going to. I have two cameras set up. Um, one for me. One for the exploit. Uh, this is new because we didn't have this technology before. You guys started donating. Um, so I'm going to do the, uh, the exploit on the USB and, and collect credentials of a laptop that's plugged in to my left. Um, I'm going to send out right now into the chat the file that you guys need to look at and we'll go over really quick uh, just so you get an idea as to what I'm doing. Um, and it gives you the code that you need uh, in order to build your rubber ducky. Uh, here we go. I'm going to go ahead and post it. It's going to take a couple, couple minutes. So I'll, I'll talk about it while it's uploading. So Hack5 um, tried to reproduce the Mr. Robot, uh, I think season two, episode three or four. I, I can't remember which episode it was, um, where 
Angela went and plugged in a USB stick into her boss's computer to collect the credentials of her boss so that she could get access to other devices. Um, where Hack5 failed on their code was making it too evident um, when they were actually executing the, uh, the PowerShell. Um, and you'll see that in the document. So you'll see Hack5's version and the nonsense bullshit they did with the PowerShell. And then you'll see my version where it was like super quick and you don't see shit. Um, and that's the key to pen testing. You want to be in, you want to be out, you want to get your data, you want to go. Um, you don't want to leave traces and my code actually goes back and erases the run history to where if you brought up that history, you wouldn't see how the PowerShell executed and brought down Mimikatz and ran it through memory and grabbed credentials. Um, so once this finishes uploading, um, we will go ahead and talk about it. Um, in the meantime, I don't know how many people watched the show Mr. Robot, but every one of the attacks that they produced in Mr. Robot was 100% legit. I went back and tested most of the attacks and I actually talked to Greg House. So Greg House was the um, technical consultant for Mr. Robot, also a former member of Anonymous. Um, a lot of us go to tech, tech consulting for movies and uh, TV, like Ralph. Um, and we kind of give guidance to the directors and executives like, hey, you know, that, that exploit you're doing is like way the fuck off. You know, this is what really needs to happen. Um, but unfortunately, uh, Hack5 got this wrong. And this is uh, what I'm going to go through is my, my own version. And, I, and I've copy and pasted my code into the document um, so you can see how to hide the PowerShell window as well as collect all this stuff. So now, okay, you guys have the, the file. Um, I'm gonna bring it up on my system so I can see it while we talk about it. And I'm gonna attempt to do this exploit live so that you can see it and see the effects. So if you guys can go ahead and, and open that document um, and we'll start from the beginning. Uh, the title is Hack Like a Ghost. Um, and I, I label with that because I re-engineered the hack so that it could be more quiet. Uh, Kim, yes, the file was posted. It's right above. Um, you guys let me know when, when you're done downloading the document. Uh, this is very difficult because I put this together and have to upload it, so it takes some time. Um, but in the meantime, so I have two Twitter accounts. I have the Haunted H, uh, Twitter handle as, as well as Stinger 2013. The Stinger 2013 goes into more of the IOT uh, hacks. Um, when I was with the FBI and doing CI work, um, they had me going out to multiple countries and exploiting their surveillance cameras. This was after Mariah Botnet. So I knew the vulnerabilities and I knew where to find them and I could scan the entire country in less than a day uh, using mass scan. Um, along with HTTP screenshot, I could categorize all the surveillance cameras and surveillance systems and pick which one I wanted to attack. Um, 
and I would take over the surveillance cameras, take over any kind of smart um, smart home devices, whether it be Wi-Fi light bulbs, whether it be fish tanks, whether it be cameras, uh, whatever it is. Um, so I, I did that and I infiltrate a lot of uh, foreign government compounds. I have a screenshot on my Stinger 2013 uh, Twitter feed from Iran, from Syria, from Iraq, from Afghanistan, uh, you name it, there's screenshots from all of their critical uh, surveillance systems. Um, so this kind of like expands on that technology. Uh, and I actually use this against a company that I work for. They wanted me to assess their situation, their vulnerabilities. And when I came back and I said, you have 500 eternal blue uh, vulnerable systems that I can control. Plus, you know, you don't control and protect anything um, of Mimikatz and I can like exploit servers on your oil rigs out in the ocean, middle of the ocean, take over your oil rigs. Uh, they didn't want to admit it, but they were scared. They wouldn't know how to protect against it. Um, but at that point, they didn't want me to talk anymore. They didn't want me to look. They just kind of shut me off and said, just watch the screen. And at that point, that's when I left. Um, because a lot of companies will take those vulnerabilities and that sensitivity and not want to do anything about it because they're afraid of, I guess, the people internal. Um, and that's the dilemma that a lot of us run into is when we, you know, interview for these positions and say, you know, this is my background. I'm totally upfront. And you can ask Mark, um, when I interviewed with companies like New Direction Cyber, you know, Google me, bring it up. That's my background. If it's not kosher to what you're looking for, um, then I suggest you contact like somebody like Deloitte or somebody that has, you know, a young kid in a suit that can come in and check a box and say, you're okay. Uh, but I'm going to give you the real world criminal view of what's going on with your network. And to me, that's the most valuable. Um, is everybody downloaded the document yet? Give me a thumbs up if you have. If not, I'll wait a couple more seconds uh, before I start going into it. Yay, nay. Okay, cool. All right, so <clears throat> the document, um, Hack Like a Ghost. So you see the GIF above from Mr. Robot Session um, where their greasy-haired Linux hacker is given Angela the USB to plug into her boss's computer to get the credentials, right? Um, so what you're going to need basically is a rubber ducky. You're going to have to code your payload.ps1, um, which within the links down below you'll get. The rxphp is very important. So the rx.php is basically transmitting the credentials collected by Mimikatz to the web server or listener that um, you're looking for. So you can get the, the get those credentials remotely. Um, you'll need a web server that has PHP enabled um, so that you can host that rx.php. And you'll have to have a Netcat listener open. So the Netcat listener will basically look for that connection back from the exploited machine and collect those credentials. 
uh, a target logged in, it's important that the target's logged in. You can code this to where the target doesn't have to be logged in, um, but for my own personal security reasons, I didn't add this because I don't want people using it on random targets that could lead back to me. Um, and it takes a level of, you know, social engineering, right? And when I say social, social engineering, I'm not talking about actually speaking with the target and convincing them to plug it in. I'm talking about monitoring that, that person's interaction. Um, when they get up to go for a break, uh, how long they leave their computers logged in, um, their behaviors, learn that over a period of time in order to exploit this vulnerability. Um, PowerShell. So most Windows systems, uh, Windows 7 and above, already have PowerShell installed um, as an admin, and this exploit takes advantage of that. And the most important important part is you have to have 15 seconds. So time yourself. Uh, if you go to target an individual, um, by the time you plug the USB stick in, give it 15 seconds. With, with this demo that I'm gonna do tonight, it's gonna take a little bit longer because I'm using a VirtualBox image of the web server. So bear with me. But the legit um, exploit, if you wanna use like AWS or your own home system with forward IP, will literally take 15 seconds to gain credentials from that machine. Um, so let's go into my setup really quick. My setup consists of a Kali Raspberry Pi, uh, which I host the payload um, for this exploit on, uh, which is payload.ps1. Um, the second box is a Kali box listing on port 80. So the Netcat listener, the way that I have a setup, um, it utilizes port 80 traffic, which to most IDSs, most IPSs, uh, AI, ML um, technology looks at as legitimate traffic. Uh, I've tested this against Dark Trace. Dark Trace says port 80, oh great, you know, you're looking for a specific file from a web server, no problem, because you do it all day long. Um, you can also run this over 443. You can triple encode this to where it's non-detectable completely by any antivirus. I didn't go into that length because obviously I don't have that much time to do a hack a week and go into that length. Um, so what basically happens? The ducky payload mimics the keyboard, opens up a PowerShell. In my version, it hides the window completely. Um, in Hack5's version, it's really piss poor, and it just kind of minimizes it to a small square. Totally not effective, um, because people will look at that and go, okay, shit's wrong, I'm powering off. Um, so it executes payload, it grabs uh, Mimikatz, it dumps the credentials from the Kerberos tickets within the system, and looks at the salt, looks at the, the encryption, the hash, and it gives you a password, like literally within seconds. Um, and you have to have two things. You have to have the payload.ps1, and you also have to have the script that says to tell, tell the system to transmit the credentials collected off of Mimikatz to the IP address listed. Um, so all the files needed um, are on the links um, I use the Hack5 website to show you guys the, uh, 
the links, the, the, the code that they give out. But I also included my own duckycode.txt, which is what you use on the ducky encoder to create your inject.bin um, to put on the rubber ducky. Um, so in the screenshot below, you'll see the web server saying, okay, this IP address has asked for the payload.ps1. 200 means, yeah, it's here, okay, here, take it. Um, and then the system that's been targeted and attacked actually sends back this through the Rx, the transmit.php. And what you're looking for, if you look at the screenshot, what you're looking for is an NTLM. That's the hash for the password. And then the password is going to be directly below, um, which is going to be RAID. Uh, so we did this on my roommate's computer and I reproduced on this document. And no, his computer's not gonna be internet facing, so don't worry about it. Um, so you can see below like the PowerShell um, operation, uh, and you can see how I used the PowerShell-window style hidden uh, to hide the window. And you can see the difference between the hack by version of the exploit and my version, right? So scroll down and look at the GIF. So with hack five, they plug it in, it brings up a run command, which is really obvious. It brings up the run box and they minimize the box. And at that point, you're looking at like three to four seconds um, of the window manipulation and which will throw an alert to the person sitting behind the keyboard saying, oh shit, something's wrong. I've either been infected or I've been attacked. And so you watch, you, you know, you watch the, the, the GIF a little bit longer and it gives you credentials. So scroll down a little bit further and you see my version, right? So you plug it in, it opens up a run box, boom, gone, nothing. Um, literally looks like an admin function of running an update. You don't see the PowerShell box. You don't know that somebody's in your system. All you know is that you plugged in a USB, possibly there's an update on that or it's looking for a driver and nothing. And what's really cool is I've encoded that payload to go back and delete all of the run history, right? So if they try to pull up that command line again through that box, there's nothing there because I've deleted all that. Um, and the end result, of course, is your credentials. So down below, um, I give information on Mimikatz, what Mimikatz is, how it works. Um, it's a pretty complex, very like uh, in-depth application where you guys can read about it. Um, you can use it in many, many, many different ways. Use it in malware, use it in whatever you want. Um, PowerShell is pretty default with Windows. Um, I'm not really sure why they've left it so vulnerable for so long, um, but I use PowerShell quite a bit. If, if you listened to the podcast last week, um, I use PowerShell to pop remote shells on web servers. Um, so it's really effective. And also I encode the duckycode.txt and inject.bin to run the PowerShell as the system admin. Um, so if, if you do that, you get a lot more credentials than you would like uh, the user logged in. Uh, and then down below you have like the link to hack five and their write-up of the Mr. Robot um, hack but I would suggest that if you, if you really want to be covert about it, 
um, use my duckycode.txt and not theirs because if you use theirs, you're going to come into a situation where that window just sticks there. Um, not feasible for covert attacks. So now I'm going to try to run this. Bear with me because I'm running off of two screens um, and also two cameras. And this is a first time, thanks to you guys, that we had these donations and I was able to get this technology so that we could utilize it for our own purposes. Um, give me just a few seconds and I'll set it up. Okay, I'm not sure if you guys can see that, but basically what it is is I'm gonna run the Netcat listener on port 80 um, so that we can plug the USB into the system that's on the desk next to me and uh, we can look at the results from the exploit. So I'm gonna run over to the other system, plug this in and uh, we should within probably 15 to 30 seconds see the dump from Mimikatz. So give me one second, I'm gonna go plug this in. Hey Mike, maybe turn your virtual background off. It's kind of messing with the, uh, what's coming through. We also have like two systems that, that need to be running at the same time, uh, the web server and the listener, because that's the way I have it set up. Um, you can see where uh, it's requested the rx.php. Unfortunately, I didn't have the virtual box running yet. So I'm gonna unplug it, plug it back in, and we should see some really cool results here in a second. Uh, let me reset this really quick. All right, give me one second. So it's already ran through its functions on the other machine um, and it's looked for the uh, payload and rx.php. And you can see where um, it actually grabbed the credentials. Um, and I'm going to go through that really quick and show you guys exactly what it collected. Um, so when you get the 
results back from Mimikatz. It's going to give you a lot of noise um, as far as all the credentials on the system, um, whether it be guest, undefined logins, yada, yada, yada. But what's important is right here. So you look at the authentication ID, um, the username is crew. Uh, so then you look at the different NTLM and SHA-1. Um, I'm gonna try to take the camera up to where you guys can actually see it. Uh, it's not working. Anyways, so I'm, I'm just gonna highlight it. The, uh, the crew, um, down below you have the domain, which is crew PC. NTLM, that's the hash. SHA-1 is, is the, ha the, the encrypted SHA-1 algorithm of the hash. And then you have the username, domain name, which is crew-pc, and then the password. And it's unencrypted password. Um, it's also in your, your document. Um, so with those credentials, uh, let's say they're, they're an admin of the network or they're a CEO. You now have their, their password for email. You have their password for the system. Um, really anything you want. And that's the whole point of the Mr. Robot Hack was Angela was trying to get access into the network from a remote situation um, so that they can control it and work with White Rose to take down E-Corp or Evil Corp. Um, so the actual hack on Mr. Robot works and it, here's proof. And you guys have the code. All you need is a rubber ducky and uh, the document I sent you. And if you have any questions, we can always talk about it. Um, but that's that. Let me uh, switch back to the FaceTime camera. So any questions that we have from the people online? Let me bring back the other display. I have to thank you guys a lot because, you know, the amount of equipment we're able to purchase for this podcast and actually make things like real and be able to show you like real time attacks has been big for us. Um, it's something that we haven't been able to do before and uh, doing the documents is kind of a pain, but I want to make sure that everybody has the information that they need. Um, and people are asking me to take out my virtual background so they can see it better. Uh, next time I will. Um, any questions regarding the Mr. Robot hack or anything in general for me or Tony or anybody online, uh, this is your shot.